Hey, this is Barry Livingston. You might remember me as Ernie from My Three Sons. I'm going to be on On Screen and Beyond next. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Hey, welcome to another edition of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak. This is episode 166. And this is the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, we got a nice interview with Barry Livingston. Barry, of course, has been in many TV shows recently, and uh, in the past, of course, he was Ernie Douglas on My Three Sons. So stick around for that. He's got a book coming out in October. We're going to talk about that, and uh, it's, it's all sorts of stuff. Stick around. He's coming up in just a few minutes on On Screen and Beyond. And uh, since we got a nice long interview with him, we got to get right into Remake Madness. It's next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness. Well, it looks like Angelina Jolie will star in a remake of Cleopatra. And Ugly Dolls will move from toys to be remade into a movie. And another retelling of Frankenstein is in the works. It's called The Casebook of Victor Frankenstein. And it's set for release in 2014. That's it for Remake Madness coming up next on On Screen and Beyond. Upcoming movies right here on On Screen and Beyond. Upcoming movies, well, a biopic of Evil Knievel is in the works. It's going to be telling the story of the life of the famous Daredevil. And in 2013, you can look for... The Girlfriend Equation from Disney. It's a, about a math genius whose complex equations that he uses to find and romance the girl of his dreams. Sounds really romantic. And the uh, production is in production right now for a documentary from writer William Shatner, and it's called The Captains. And in it will be Chris Pine and Patrick Stewart. Hmm, sounds like a uh, Star Trek type documentary. And that's it for upcoming movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to take a peek at what's coming away in Sequel City. Sequels are next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Sequel City, well, Fright Night 2 is in the planning stages right now. And there seems to be a Hangover 3 script that's in the works, which is actually no surprise. And Warner Brothers will bring us Yogi Bear 2 as the adventures of Yogi and Boo Boo continue. That's it for Sequel City. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to take a peek at what's coming away as far as TV on DVD. TV on DVD, well, September 6th, the complete eighth season of Two and a Half Men arrives on DVD with Charlie Sheen. And also on September 6th, you can look for the season four of Chuck as it arrives. And Mr. Belvedere, volume one, comes your way on December 30th. That's it for TV on DVD. Next, movies on DVD, right here on On Screen and Beyond.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Movies on DVD, well, it's in theaters right now, but Kung Fu Panda 2 with Jack Black will be released on DVD in November. That's the way it looks right now, anyways. And The Hangover Part 2, still in theaters, comes to DVD and Blu-ray in October. And Midnight in Paris with Owen Wilson hits stores in October also. That's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we are sitting down and talking with Barry Livingston of Barry has been in tons of things. It's amazing the, the, the credits that this guy has. But, of course, everybody does remember him as Ernie Douglas on My Three Sons. And uh, we're going to talk about that. And uh, Barry has a book coming out in October. So you've got to be, you know, get ready for this because it's going to be a great book. And it'll be coming out in October. And it's called The Importance of Being Ernie. Now, you can go to his website right now and check out some neat stuff there. It's called The Importance of Being being ernie.com so be sure to check that out and uh let's not waste any more time let's get talking with barry livingston right here on on screen and beyond My guest today on On Screen and Beyond is an actor who grew up before our eyes on TV. He was part of the classic TV show My Three Sons, playing the role of Ernie. He continues to act today in some of the most popular TV shows and movies, such as Two and a Half Men, Desperate Housewives, Grey's Anatomy, Don't Mess with the Zohan, and The Social Network. He has a new book coming out in October, and it's called The Importance of, of Being Ernie. It's Barry Livingston. Barry, it's so nice to have you on On Screen and Beyond. Um, pleasure to be here, Brian. Thank you. You, you know, Barry... Your career, there are so many different things that you have done. And, um, of course, when I do research on people, you've done things I never even knew you did. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's usually the way it is when you meet people. You go, oh, my gosh, I didn't know you were, you know, I didn't know you skydived. Uh, I didn't know you, you know, you owned a submarine, uh, none of which I do. But, yeah, that's the kind of the idea. <laughs> so trying to figure out where to start here. But let's start in the present. Right now, in October, you're going to be having your book come out. What made you decide to uh, write this book at this time? Well, you know, it's over time, uh, you know, you collect a lot of stories, and, and I've had a lot of time to do that. I've been in show business for over 50 years, so, you know, um, I've just had the good luck of working with great people, Lucille Ball and Fred McMurray and... and uh, Jerry Lewis and Debbie Reynolds, kind of in the early days, and then in the middle of my career, I've you know wound up on some doing some great shows, working with Neil Patrick Harris and Doogie Howser, and you know, and then in further into my career of working with Terry Hatcher and Lois and Clark, and then Desperate Housewives. So over the years, you kind of amass stories that just socially, when you get together with friends and you you know you talk about a, a thing, and they go, oh, everyone, you should write a book about that. So you know, I. I I took that to heart, and I thought I should do that while I can still remember it. <laughs> and and uh, so 
so that was part of the impetus, you know. I just thought, man, now's the time, you know. And My Three Sons was coming up to a big milestone. It was, it's been 50 years since 50 the show uh, first came on, wow. and so you know, all of those things kind of was the perfect storm, the right time to do it. Yeah, boy, and, and hearing you, you know, so many actors, um, you know, this have long histories of. of of being in show business and things, but a lot of them are either you know very young and then they stopped, mm-hmm. or they're uh, they started later in life and they continued on till now. And uh, but but you know you you're spanning all generations. Well, it has gone a long time, and uh, you know, uh, I, knock on wood, I, I want to go another twenty, thirty, forty years if I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just. Um, I've been lucky, but I've worked at it. You know, it didn't come easy. I mean, when you're on a television series as a kid and then it ends, you know, you're in for some transitions. Some people do it flawlessly. You know, Ron Howard, and a lot of it is luck. You know, he was he was done with his his first blast of fame after the Andy Griffith Show, and then he was scraping around for jobs like I was after My Three Sons, and then he was lucky enough to get American Graffiti, which was you know a phenomenon. And then after that, he lucked into Happy Days, and from that, he, you know, kind of leveraged his his clout as a celebrity uh, to get some directing gigs. And, right. You know, so he, but he's, you know, that's a pretty rare situation. Most people, you know, have to have to really reinvent themselves, and yeah. it took me a while to to do that. But I've been lucky enough that uh, that I've been able to to do that. You know, to go through different phases of my life and still have casting people and producers look at me and go, oh, you know, he's older now. Oh, I see him playing a lawyer and a doctor where, you know, mm-hmm. obviously 30 years ago, 40 years ago, I was still the, you know, the nerdy assistant coach to the basketball team on <laughs> shows. So, you know, it, uh, it's it's part of the job to sort of figure out what's your new niche, yeah. you know? Yeah. Is, is there any part that you, you'd like to play? Oh, I'll probably be playing Uncle Charlie, you know, very soon <laughs> in my career. Give me another 20 years, I'll be the crusty, the crusty nanny in the house. Um, I, I don't know. I don't really have any kind of a dream role. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, oh, I, yeah, I like doing all kinds of things. I like, love doing comedy. I, I love doing, uh, you know, drama. So it's, it's, it, it's not like a, I have anything up my sleeve that I'm itching to do. Not yeah. really. Yeah. Now, see, you, you mentioned being Uncle Charlie. They could make a remake of My Three Sons and have you be, uh, you know, of course, you're still too young to, to do Uncle Charlie. Give me another I mean, 20. <laughs> yeah, 20 years I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> now, how old was he on that show? Well, you know, there was a, the first nanny was William Frawley, who right. played yeah, Bob. Well. And they, they both, I think, you know, probably started when they were about 70. I think then William Fra- Demers came in and replaced Frawley when he got too ill to continue. And uh, yeah, they were late seventies or not, not late seventies. I'm saying they were they were probably early seventies, both of them. And then, you know, by the time the show was over, um, you know, which was 1972, you know, um, well, you know, Demers was probably close to eighty, I guess. Wow. And, and uh, Frawley was getting pretty up there in, in years two when he had to leave the show. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, you know, that's that, they those guys started, you know. In the very, they started in silent pictures. Right. So you know, they their career really spanned many, many decades. Yeah, because you know, sometimes uh, I, I remember as a kid watching some of these shows, and you'd see them, and you'd say, "Wow, they're really old." Or, you, or a different show, you'd see somebody, and you'd say, yeah. "Wow, they're pretty old." And now you look back, and you find out that those people were, you know, 
in their 50s, so it's like, yeah. well, <laughs> they look <Yeah>. old. <laughs> well, they did look old, and I remember looking at, you know, uh, Demarest and some of the, you know, the Lady Eve with uh, Henry Fonda, the Preston Sturgis film, or uh, was it the jazz singer? I can't, I can't never remember. He was either, either in the Jolson story or the jazz singer, and that was like, you know, what, the early 30s, late 20s, and mm. he looked old then. I know, yeah. You know? And, and so, you know, when he got to my three sons, she looked like a mummy, but, you know, he, he's... He looked old, but that's the funny thing is that they looked old then. I don't know if it was maybe the times or what the deal was. I but. know, jeez, uh, yeah. It's it now, now you know we're looking at those things and we say, well, well I don't look that old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure I'll be looking at myself and going, well, that's what I do now. I look at myself on, on screen and I go, wow, I really look old suddenly. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> um, now, you mentioned that you worked with uh, Terry Hatcher. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, on, on Desperate Housewives. But uh, you also actually were several times on uh, The Adventures of Superman, right? Well, that's uh, Yeah, actually, I think I worked, I worked with Felicity Huffman on Desperate Housewives. But, you know, the same right. that, I, yeah. that I worked with her in that show. But I did work with Terry. Uh, I had a recurring role on Lois and Clark uh, for one season, and I was playing uh, Lex Luthor's lawyer. Um, and, yeah, and we, you know, I had a couple... Some stuff that I did with Terry at that time, and uh, yeah, that was that was fun. That yeah, was it's great. funny how things come around like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, of all the actors, well, not the recent ones, but the ones way back, like Lucille Ball, Jerry mm-hmm. Lewis, Jack Benny, and you know, I think you said Debbie Reynolds, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When you were back working with them, like with Lucy, when you were on her show, I mean, you were very young. Well, you know, I mean, this a lot of this is in my book, the importance mm-hmm. of being Ernie. I'm going to say that a few times, probably. No uh, and in fact, there is a website now you can go to the importance of being Ernie.com. That's all one word. The importance of being Ernie. Just run it together. And you know, there's a couple excerpts from from the book, yes. which will be out in October. Uh, but uh, Lucy was the head of the studio when we worked on My Three Sons. She owned Desi Lou Studios. Okay. That used to be the old RKO Studios that Howard Hughes owned before her. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I used to see her on the lot all the time, just, you know, because she, she, she really was running the show. She was the studio head. And so Desi, I don't know where he was. They probably had separated by that time or right. divorced. And she, you know, was always ripping around the lot in her golf cart. And you'd see her out of makeup, you know, bandana around her head, cigarette, you know, dangling from her lip. And, and I, I just was always struck by, you know, I'd be out riding my bike, taking a break from working on Three Sons. You know, and she'd whiz by me and she'd go, "Hey, Barry!" You know, and I go, "Oh my gosh!" You know, you're you're shocked when you when somebody you. that famous knows who you are, particularly because I I grew up you know, loving her on I Love Lucy. Right. She was doing I think the Lucy show at that time, and so you know, and we developed this 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 kind of ships passing the night relationship on the lot. She'd be you know, heading somewhere in her golf cart, and I'd be on my bike, and she'd always kind of wave, and then she'd start saying, I want you on my show. I'm going to put you on my show. And, and I was like, oh, you know, okay. And then she'd you know, speed on by, and then lo and behold, sooner or later I got a call to come on and do uh, it. I played Arnold Mooney's son. I was, uh, uh, actually, it was Mr. Mooney. He was Gail Gordon. I played right, yeah. Arnold Mooney, which was his kid on the show for, for a couple episodes. And so, yeah, she, you know, true to her word, she she uh, finally put me on the show. Gave so, me a mohawk, too, in right, the first episode. <laughs> yes. So she was actually hands-on. She wasn't just sitting back and having other people run things. She was. Yeah, she seemed to be there 24-7. You know, I mean, I, I, I just recall her 
her presence nonstop, you know, and I, I was a kid, I don't know what her real duties were outside right. of being on her show and producing her latest incarnation of the Lucy show, but I, I got the impression that she was a, a hands-on studio boss and uh, was very involved in the running of Desi Lou. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've had a couple of people on, well, of course I had her, her daughter, Lucy, Lucy Arnaz was on the show, and um, I had somebody else on that uh, was a very good friend of hers, and they were saying that she she was very, on the show, she was very businesslike, and, and she knew what she wanted. She was, a, a, you know, an amazing person as far as yeah. knowing what comedy was. Yeah, I think she was, yeah, she definitely. She, she, she had a very intuitive sense of how to get a laugh and knew what worked and what didn't. And she was, when she felt like the writers were delivering material that she thought was not funny, you know, um, well, they'd be sent back to a room until they came back with something funny to do. Yeah. And she was, she was you know, one of the the real masters of that medium. You know, she oh, was yeah. probably one of the first gigantic mega stars of television, and uh, yeah, and it was due to her great talent. Yeah. Now, uh, growing up, when you first started out, uh, did you have any people that you idolized as far as TV and, and movies and things like that? Well, Jackie Gleason, you know, oh, and, yes. and Art Carney. I mean, from the Honeymooners, that was that was. Uh, you know, a real treat as a kid. Again, I wrote about this in my autobiography. You know what a, and even when I sort of got onto the show, it was in 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 reruns. But it was one of the real treats in our family because it always came on late. It would always be like eleven o'clock, eleven thirty, maybe right after the the local news. And you know, and it was my parents, my dad particularly used to love it. But to, you know, let your kids stay up that late on a school night, you know, it was always tricky but you know he was always <laughs> i think because he wanted to share his love of that show to us yeah that you know it was always a real treat to be a little kid to get to stay up that late and uh, you know and i say to share belly laughs with your family at midnight you know yeah. that was that was a very kind of a, a great memory just with my my family sitting and watching that show so i did a movie actually around that time and just before my three sons with jackie gleason called papa's delicate condition so, you know, that was amazing that suddenly, you know, somebody that I really idolized and I thought was the funniest guy you know, on the planet, and and I loved Art Kearney, you oh, know, yeah. I just as much or maybe even more so than Gleason, but I did have the opportunity to work with Jackie Gleason, which was a treat. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, <laughs> like you say, just to be able to work with, you know, I mean, a genius uh, of, of comedy and, and TV back then, I mean, jeez. Yeah, well, they... You know, there was a few of those guys, Jack Benny and and George Burns. You know, they were the the Seinfelds of that era. Um, you know, they they were they were certainly uh, powerful presences and 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 great talents. And you know, it was it was just the luck of the draw that I was in <laughs> stumbled into their their view, and uh, you know, I was pulled into their orbit to do my small part. Yeah. Now, you also I, I see that you were uncredited. On the Aaron Boy with um, yeah, Jerry I don't know Lewis. why that is. It's a pretty kind of famous scene too, from what I understand. It's the jelly bean scene. I don't know if any people are aware of that movie, but it's kind of a sketch, and it's Jerry Lewis. It takes place on a studio lot, and he's playing an Aaron Boy on the studio lot, mm-hmm. and he's that day working in a in a commissary, and I come into the commissary, the candy store, and he's working in there. And I make him go up and down, you know, a series of ladders to to get me a particular kind of jelly beans. But it's a, you know, it's it's an extended piece, and right. you know, it's it's more than just 
walking through in the background. It, it really is kind of a funny, you know, funny little little moment in his entire catalog of classic sketches. And um, yeah, yeah, I don't know why I'm uncredited, yeah. but I, bad agenting, I guess. Yeah. Now, how did you come about to get that? Part? I was just, you know, I was already working. I was working on the Ozzy and Harriet show for, uh, you know, doing a recurring role, and I was, you know, becoming fairly well known in the casting world and with producers as a you know a, a new I, I was pretty much a new kind of child star prototype in fact i kind of refer to it as a prototype nerd <laughs> i i was not the the typical child actor of that era i you know they were primarily like my brother they were blonde haired and blue eyed and you know very cherubic mm-hmm. kind of handsome people and kids and and i was more of sort of a you know a mutt you know i was <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of a Mo Howard haircut and big glasses, and my teeth were, you know, buck teeth. So, uh, you know, I was more of just, you know, maybe a little more like the average kid. I don't know. You know, I mean, it's really mm-hmm. not not your your, you know, star quarterback of the football team. I was more like the the, the goofy kid in the corner with the test tubes. You know. So um, anyway, I was becoming that was kind of my niche that I was carving out. So when the, you know, I wound up doing a bunch of films over at Paramount. I like I said, did Debbie Reynolds with uh, My Six Loves, and then uh, Aaron Boy with Jerry Lewis and Papa's Delicate Condition, which were all produced at Paramount. And I did them, you know, fairly close together, almost back to back. Did you have to audition for those, or? Um, I don't, I don't recall. I don't think I did. I don't think, I don't really even recall auditioning for those. So you were working for the studio and they just said, okay, you're going to do this now? Or I that think that they kind of, again, I was had already had, had some guest star billings, you know, uh, from being on the Ozzy and Harriet show. And right. so, um, you know, I was, I was getting to be fairly well known and reliable and, and I was um, pretty much hired, as I recall, you know, a long time ago. Right, I'm going yeah. to say yes, they yeah. just hired me, but maybe I had to go on audition. I, yeah, and plus I you, don't remember. You know, you were so young. I know that, that's uh, it's a lot different than, uh, you know, the, the more... <laughs> the, well, the, I can't remember two weeks ago if, even if I auditioned something. So <laughs> I know so the feeling. <laughs> we'll, just say, we'll just say yes. I, they called me in and... and uh, <laughs> You know, there was there was a whole group of usual suspects when you'd go on a, on an audition, and it would always be Ron Howard, Bill Mooney, Mark Hamill, who was you know a child actor, but later Luke Skywalker. Oh, yes, yeah. uh, you know, those guys. You know, they were I guess the best of the child actors, and you would see them pretty much at most of the auditions that you'd go to. In fact, when I when I was auditioning, I I did have to audition for the role of Ernie on My Three Sons, even you, though you my brother Stan was on the show already as Chip, and um, and you know I uh, I was well known for My Three Sons. I had just done those, like I said, those three fairly big successful movies for Paramount. But and in fact, this this excerpt, if you want to go to my website, the importance of being dot com, the excerpt of how I was cast in My Three Sons, that's actually taken from the book, and it's on the website if you if you want to look at it. But it, you know, I don't think it's giving anything away. I had to go in and audition, and again, I, I was given a time slot, I guess that you know was kind of. Uh, nobody else was there. It kind of made it look like maybe they were giving me some preferential treatment. There, I was the only person being considered. But I had the feeling, you know, that was only because my brother was on the show. They were they were treating me well. Yeah. Uh, there was probably other kids auditioning. But anyway, you know, I, I had to go in and uh, read for the big guy, Don Federson, who's the creator and executive producer. And um, 
you know, it went well. And, um, you know, it was, uh, I found out at that audition, you know, in this little excerpt, I'll tell you it anyway, you can read it if you want or not. You know, I read, nobody jumped up and said, shook my hand and said, hey, you know, kid, we're welcome to the family. You're, you know, you're, but they, I did say as I was going out the door after I read, I kind of got the feeling it went well. Everyone was smiling, but nobody was going, you know, stick around. But I did say, we're leaving to go on a vacation, which we were. My parents, we were waiting. I, I was going to audition. We were going to go to Palm Springs. And Ned Fetterson said, wait, don't go anywhere. And I was like, oh, great. So then we went out. We sat in the outer office, and it was five minutes, ten, twenty minutes seemed to go by, you know. And we're going, what is going on inside there? Something's got to be happening. You know, there must be some debate over whether or not I'm going to get the job or not. And then eventually the door opened, and Federson walked out, Don Federson, and he said, okay, I just wanted to let you know I knew you guys were going to Palm Springs. And he said, I have a place down in Palm Springs. But he says, I couldn't find the keys. And since Barry is going to be joining our family, here's the keys to my house in Palm Springs. You guys go have a great holiday. Which <laughs> I went, oh, wow, that was that was worth the wait. So <laughs> that's how I found out I was cast on the show. Yeah. Well, and i got to mention about your website. I have looked at it and gone over it. And it's a great website because you, you've, you've put a few teasers about, you know, your, your excerpts from the book. And uh, there's some great pictures out there yeah. uh, on the gallery, and uh, it's, a, it's, it's a very interesting site. So people should definitely go look at it because it's, uh, it's got some great stuff on there. Well, again, the importance of being Ernie, that's .com. Mm-hmm. So that's how you find it. Just, just type that into your uh, address page, and it'll take you right there. Yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, writing the book... And looking back at all that you've done over time, did you surprise yourself at all when you're doing it and say, oh, geez, yeah, I did that. <laughs> I, I forgot about that. Yeah, it does, you know, because you, you get on with your life. And, and I started from the very, you know, very before I was even an actor. I went back and kind of, you know, tried to look at where I was born and my parents and their history of they were they actually uh, had just recently relocated from the east they lived in baltimore and they were theater owners they owned uh, movie theaters in baltimore oh. and this was the but they had had them in the family for maybe 10 20 years going as far back as probably the the 30s but uh in the 50s t- television was coming out and it was just killing it was killing uh, live theater and and movies particularly you know that uh, people suddenly had discovered television and so so a lot of lot of those smaller mom and pop, you know, movie theaters couldn't compete anymore, and that was the case with my parents. So they came out to California, and um, so you know they had a background, they had a little bit of a knowledge of film, which I got the you know understood that they knew everything and every actor who had ever existed in film because they watched them night and day, seven days a week. So I you know I inherently kind of picked up their love of of actors and theater as a little kid 
and then you know over time we eventually were, were were discovered at a swimming pool where we would go to learn how to swim by an agent and from that my brother started going on auditions next thing you know he's got his first part you know i'm kind of following along and the next thing you know i'm getting my first role and you know that's how the ball started started for us as actors hmm. so he had his first role first before you well he got his first part like i say we used to go to the swim school yeah somebody found out well a producer saw a picture of stan in the newspaper and maybe i was in it too but he they were looking for a kid to double for tommy reddick who was the original uh, timmy on lassie mm-hmm. it was the tv series at that time and in an episode timmy's gonna fall into a lake and almost drown well <laughs> the real actor couldn't swim the real child actor and so they hired my brother, having seen him in these pictures from the swim school, that he to come and stunt double for Tommy Reddick, you know, that he could flail around out in the water and mm-hmm. go under and not really drown. So, you know, he, that was his very first introduction and first film job was, was uh, drowning for Tommy Reddick in Lassie. So from there, you know, he started going on other auditions, uh, booked some roles, and, you know, and I just sort of followed in his path. Yeah. Now, when you finally got the role of Ernie on the show, uh, you had been on a couple of times, right, before you actually no. got the no, full-time? No, I never, never did an episode before I, before they finally oh, it, brought okay. me on as a regular character. Uh, no, I was... So uh, the intention was to bring you on board before Tim Considine had left. Yeah, well, Tim was still there. I mean, I was brought... I don't know whether they anticipated his leaving or what, but I was there... For a full season, well, Tim was still a brother, and I was the friend next door. And then right. the story had had uh, Considine, you know, his contract was up. He wanted to do more directing. The producers felt that they just couldn't work around, you know, his demands, mm-hmm. and he felt like, well, you know, it's time for me to move on. And so I was already under contract and had done, you know, playing the kid next door, Ernie Thompson at that time. So when Tim officially decided to leave the show, you know, I was, uh, again, like kind of the pitcher in the bullpen and um, got the call to come in and, and replace Tim. You must have been really excited when that happened. Well, you know, they didn't let on when I was, you know, when I did my first audition for Federson and the people. They didn't say, oh, and by the way, in about a year, we make make you a full-fledged son. Right. It was just, we're putting you under contract to be the friend next door, and, you know, that's going to be your role, which yeah. was in itself uh, uh, an incredible thing because the show was a mega hit oh, you know yeah. and you're you're and also my brother was on there so that was really cool to suddenly be be you know brought into a show where your your sibling who was you know much more famous than me from being chip uh you know to actually be included in that family was was great you know it was, yeah. uh, it was very exciting and then of course becoming a real son was you know, kind of a mind blower. So. Right. Yeah. Naturally, uh, I've heard stories of of different shows where they have a group of kids who are working together, and they have their little spats and everything, and that's common. I mean, but uh, when you throw in the factor that you're actually working with your brother, which you know, brothers always have little spats among themselves. Anyways, mm-hmm. was there any any ever any problems of of being you know brother and real brother? Not really. <laughs> you know, I mean. Um... No, I mean, I idolized my brother anyway, you know, he's my older brother, and I thought, yeah, we obviously had our friction here and there, but never any kind of long-term 
you know, sibling rivalry or, you know, spats about he has more lines than me or any of that kind of crap. No, yeah, I, well, I'm, I mean just the, the normal brother things. You yeah, know. just getting on each other's nerves <laughs> right. in such close proximity. Amazingly, no, we didn't. And when we, you know, shared a, a ride to work every morning and shared a dressing room because the company was so cheap, we wouldn't give us our own <laughs> dressing rooms, but we shared the dressing room, shared the school room, you know, and, yeah. and shared a ride home, and then and, and back home, we shared a bedroom. So, hmm. you know, you would think with all of that, you, you'd grow up hating each other, but yeah. Uh, yeah. no, we didn't. Yeah. Uh, now, you mentioned the school. Um, was the school just for the young actors on your show, or was it several shows that were together? No, it was just for our show. Each just each individual show generally had their own uh, teacher, and uh, we had a, a series of ladies. Although the lady that we did have, a lady named Gladys Haney, was the was the studio teacher at MGM. And at MGM, because they weren't didn't have television series, they had feature films, but kids under contract. They did actually have more of an official schoolroom where it was, you know, Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland and Frederick March and probably some of the other kids that they had under contract. And that, yeah, was probably more akin to a real classroom where when you had individual shows that were going, you know, doing 20, 30 episodes a year, uh, you would have your own your own uh, tutor, actually, on the set. Ah, uh, I see, yeah. So was there ever any times where you guys had time off from the set? You were out running around causing havoc on other <laughs> on the lots? Uh, absolutely, yeah. That was, that was uh, you know, I mean, we'd rip around the lot, you know, on our bikes. Yeah. Occasionally, uh, you know, destroying something here and there uh remember once we uh you know we uh gary morton who was lucille ball's husband at the time uh after desi he was uh released all these cats on the lot to control the rats you know it's a big lot there's mm-hmm. all kinds of places for rodents and things that get crazy so you know he released all these cats and i remember my brother and i once uh you know we're tearing around the lot on our stingrays and whipped around a corner and bam just smashed right into a cat probably ran over its neck snapped it killed it and we're like oh my god now what you know what gary morton's prize cat so you know we, we were kids right we freaked out yeah. you know we go let's get rid of it you know we can't just leave it here so we we tossed it the carcass under the sound stage but lo, lo and behold about a week or so later the decomposing cat was uh Suddenly, flies were everywhere when we were shooting scenes. They were going, the, the people were going, you know, the cameramen were going, and directors were going, cut, you know, a fly would be buzzing around your head in a close up or land on your nose or, you know, you'd be eating food and it'd land on your spoon. And my brother and I kind of, every time that was going on, we'd look at each other and go, oh man, and we know, we know what's going on, but we didn't have the nerve to tell them what, what really had occurred was we had, we had, we had, hit some cat and didn't know what to do with it so we we you know we buried it under the sound stage and uh finally some poor stagehand went under you know found the body <laughs> gave it a proper burial Jeez. Now, now when you say you were riding around in your stingrays did you have the the high handlebars and the banana seats back oh, then? absolutely yeah i had the, <laughs> had the high handlebars like the sissy bar in the back you know the real tall kind of 
thing you lean against and the long banana seats and there's I think it was a you know lime green or something like that. Did you put the baseball cards in the the wheel? Sure, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Now okay. now probably the card that you put in that wheel was is worth like twenty thousand dollars. Could be. Yeah, we were probably chewing up a Honus Wagner card every time we'd go out for a ride. Jeez. Now as far as the show itself, what's the most memorable thing that you can remember? Yeah, that's that's a tough one. It's very hard to pinpoint things, but I do recall, you know, two episodes that were were just fun to shoot because one involved a lion, a real lion that that got loose on our soundstage, actually, which was kind of a hoot. And uh, is that in well, your book? It's in the book. Yeah, okay. you know, they were working the story. You know, the episode was about a circus that came to Bryant Park, which was the fictitious Midwestern city. That that was the other thing, funny thing about Bryant Park. We lived there. Bryant Park, you know, nobody had ever heard of it. It wasn't like, you know, Cincinnati, Manhattan, you know. But but Bryant Park had an international airport. It had circuses coming to town. Yeah, it had its own Chinatown. You, you, you would have thought you were living in San Francisco. But, you know, <laughs> we were living in this, this little place somewhere in the Midwest, in a small town. But anyway, the circus comes to town, and a lion gets loose, and then it winds up taking up residence in, in, in the Douglas household. And I think it was the first year I might have been on the show, and I... My character discovers it first, and I kind of keep, keep trying to tell Steve I keep seeing a lion, and they all keep thinking, oh, yeah, he's, he's you know, trying to do this to get attention. And eventually they, you know, they, they, they all encounter the lion wandering through the house. But the real lion that we were working with got loose from its cage one day on this huge soundstage. And, you know, that's kind of a scary thing because it's a giant predator cat. It was It was sedated, but still, you know, they have their instincts don't go away even even when they're, they're half unconscious. And so we were all, you know, huddled into, like, you know, our, our uh, schoolroom. They locked the doors, and everyone else kind of got into, you know, some brightly lit area, and the trainers are, you know, madly trying to locate the thing. Well, eventually what happened was Bill Demarest, who knew the line was working, but obviously didn't know it was loose, came in through the soundstage door, and you come from the bright outside light into a very, very dark soundstage, and takes a second of your eyes to to adjust and you know as he came into the darkness he came face to face with the lion he found it you know and mm-hmm. and it was sitting like you know in the path that he was about to walk down and you know and then he sees this this giant cat and no one around it and you know and then he just turned and ran and of course the lion you know it's his predator instincts just chased him mm-hmm. and he barely outran it to his dressing room which was you know not too far from where 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 he was encountered the lion and you know got on the phone and you know read some people the riot act and said you know i found your 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 lion for you it's sitting outside my door so that was a you know that was that was a crazy day that was a real memorable yeah. scene jeez i know we got to be finishing up here but uh I, I just wanted to ask you about your appearance on one of the most recent movies you were in of course was the social network uh-huh how was yeah. it working on that show uh, well on that you know i i've been lucky to have developed a relationship with david fincher who's uh the director of the social network and uh i uh did another film called zodiac which he directed and they were, you know, I met David actually doing a commercial. I mean, I, you know, you just never know how your how your life is going to change or take a turn when in Hollywood here. But I was hired to do a commercial, and um, you know, and they said it's a top secret; you can't tell anybody about it. I was like, 
key. It's, it was a Heineken beer thing, but you know, but you can't talk about it. And, and then when I went to a wardrobe fitting, I found out David Fincher's directing it. I thought, oh, that must be it, because you know he's a pretty he's an A-list director in Hollywood. He you know directed uh, Benjamin Button and Fight Club and Panic Room and. So, but anyway, I got to the set, and then I get in a car that takes me down to the location, and then I realize who. But what the real secret was is that Brad Pitt was was actually the star of this commercial, and that was the thing that they were saying you can't tell anybody, you know, who who was in it, or whatever. So, mm -hmm. so that was my my introduction with David Fincher and Brad Pitt. Uh, which led to doing the social network. Um, David has been very great to just allow me to, to audition for for some of his projects, which are you know terrific. And and yeah, I got to uh, you know got to work with him again and Jesse Eisenberg and um, terrific film won three Academy Awards. Hey, you know can't do much better than that. Yeah, yeah. Do people that you work with? I mean, like you say, the the, the newer people that you've worked with, Brad Pitt and things like that. Do they say you're Ernie Douglas? <laughs> Sometimes they do. I, you know, I, I, I've, I've found it seems like the people that are more either they're too cool to bring it up, or they're too s caught up in their own like universe, or maybe they never watched My Three Sons. They don't bring it up. Really? It's usually some of the other actors on the on the the set might go, "Hey, I, I know you from somewhere." But uh, you know, it's funny. I, I've noticed that would just. Yeah, some people, you know, maybe feel it makes you uncomfortable or takes you right, yeah. out of your character that you're trying to play, which I I, I respect that, and I and yeah. I never make a, I never try to bring it up, you know. Right. I mean, oh, yeah. If it yeah. comes up, it comes up, and I don't hide from it. Very proud of it. It's great, but it's it's not not something you just go. Oh, you you know, you might remember me from something, you know, mm -hmm. forty years ago. Uh, it's it's an awkward way to develop a, a a relationship working relationship with somebody you know that you have to see day in and day out right, so yeah. so i never bring it up if they go hey i knew you i mean i, I was on big love too um, yes, the yeah. bill paxton yeah bill turned paxton. out to be you know a huge fan of my three sons and he was terrific because he was going oh man you know i i knew you I, and and <laughs> they're doing you don't mess with the zohan with with uh, adam sandler that came about really because adam I had done a, a film his company produced called Dickie Roberts. Yes, um, yeah. And but that was just kind of playing myself. It was a cameo. It was mm -hmm. a bunch of child actors who were part of that. But yeah. I was on the lot, on the Sony lot where the, his offices are, and I thought I'd go over to you know the Happy Madison offices to see if you know who was there. Maybe you know try to hustle up another job or <laughs> another lead for uh, for an interview and. Nobody was in the office, so I go, oh, whatever, you know, walk out. And then Adam pulls up in a golf cart, and he's covered in sweat. I'd never met him before. And I went, oh, boy, you know, there's the big guy himself here, and, and there isn't a star that's bigger in Hollywood. If you look at his track record, there isn't oh, yeah. a guy who's had more successive $100 million grosses films mm -hmm. over the last 20 years. He's, he's phenomenal that way, in oh. addition to producing other people's stuff. Right. So I thought, well, i got to do this. i got to say hello to him, you know, because he walked by me. And I said, Adam, I was on this 
movie that you just did. Uh, my name's Barry Livingston, and you know I used to be on My Three Sons. And he was like, "Oh my God! Oh you! Oh geez! Oh wow! That's like, oh man! We grew up watching you, and oh my mom we used to love. We'd sit in front of the TV. Oh yeah, yeah! Oh, that was so cool. And I was like, wow, you know that was that was a nice nice icebreaker. And then I, you know, I threw it out there. I said, look, you know, thanks for putting me in Nicky Roberts, but man, I'd really love to be. I, I want to work with you and some. Oh sure, sure. Yeah, I'll put you one of my movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no problem. I was like, whoa, okay, and you know. Lo and behold, from that point on, he he called me in to audition for the next three or four films that he was doing. I didn't get the role in any of those. Finally, the call came again for Zohan, and, and you know, I read for a casting person, and then I was told, can you, I did, they said, you don't have the part yet. They like you. Can you come to a table read where all the actors and producers now are going to sit around the table and just read the script, but you don't have the part? I was like, oh, boy, okay, well, I'll go. You know, obviously I'll go, but it's kind of tricky to do that. But anyway, I got to the read, and, yeah, I feel a tap on my shoulder, and it's Adam. And he goes, oh, see, 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 I told you I'd get you something good. And I was like, oh, man, you know, just to, just to have somebody remember. Yeah. Just to have somebody that and that busy that that he's all consumed in writing projects and in in casting and acting in his own films and producing other people to remember me from a conversation probably 4 years before just in passing yeah that i asked him if i could be in his movie and he he remembered and yeah. made it happen i uh, went wow you know that's that's classic oh yeah and i i got to tell you um 2 weeks ago we had rich little on the show and he did all kinds of impressions, but I got to say, you do a great Adam Sandler. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Sure, sure. I'll put you in my movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's cool. So you have another another way you can go with your career here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always time, I guess. <laughs> so, well, Barry, I, you know this this has been great, and there, there's so much more we could talk about. But I realize that you know we got got to end it here. But I have two final questions for you. This is more on the personal side for you. What is your personal favorite TV show of all times? Not necessarily ones you were in, but just shows that you enjoy. Oh, well, you know, again, it's going to sound like a broken record, but I, I, I do love The Honeymooners. Yeah, um, You know, that just holds up. Anytime I look at it, I've seen the episodes 50 times, and I, you know, it's just the, the, the relationship between Art Carney and Jackie Gleason just, just knocks me out every time. I, I can watch the same thing over and over and laugh at the same places. I've grown to love Seinfeld, you know, yeah. for kind of similar reasons. The relationships on that that series are, are amazing. And Michael Richards, you know, man, the guy reminds me, he's like a modern-day Art Carney. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's a fabulous, uh, fabulous show. Um, you know, I'd say those two as comedies, you know, dramas. I love Breaking Bad, you know. I think that's a great show yep. I mean, of the current yep. current TV things. And Mad Men, you know. I, yeah. I did an episode of Mad Men in the first season, and that's a, a spectacular, I think, you know, just, just a very smart, really, really well Oh, well, a huge well award-winning show. show, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What about movies? What's your favorite all-time movies? Oh, well, i got to go probably One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I mean, I, I just, you know, as yep. a conceptual film just you know jack nicholson is just so great and the the whole crazy you know the idea of these crazy people not being as crazy as they think they are mm-hmm. uh you know i just uh you know i i think that movie just to me is is great and uh and you know i don't know i'm a baseball fan i love damn yankees i love the musical damn yankees mm-hmm. um yeah, it's hard to you know. It's always hard to sort of nail one. I know, yeah. One particular film 
over another, but th- those two kind of pop to to my mind, you know, initially. So yeah. Well, uh, Barry, I want to thank you know I, I've made it through the whole interview here, and I didn't call you Ernie once. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, congratulations, it's a first. <laughs> but uh, I really want to thank you for doing this, and I got to tell everybody to make sure they go to the importance of being dot com and check out the excerpt from your book about Elvis. I thought that was a great excerpt, and they should definitely go check that one out. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. He was he was uh, when I was doing my six loves. It was uh, yeah. a very fortuitous kind of encounter that I wasn't expecting, and and it. Uh, yeah, great yeah. memory. So they what, a, what, a, what a what a cool guy, and it was a, it was a cool little little moment that I had with Elvis. Right. So yeah, sure, you know that the the book is full of stuff like that. I hope people come October, you know, when it's actually being released, mm-hmm. you can pre-order it now. But again, it'll be officially out in October. Um, yeah, hopefully people will will pick it up and and have fun reading it. Where can they pre-order it at Amazon or? Uh, you can, you know, Barnes and Noble, Amazon. Will I'm sure will you can pre-order it on Amazon now. I'm not sure about Barnes and Noble. I know Amazon, uh, and I think Kindle. But Kindle is, I think, a version, you know, the downloadable version mm-hmm. of of books that are offered on Amazon. But you can order hard copies. Yeah. Um, some people don't have computers, don't like computers, well, you know. So yeah. yeah, I think you can definitely get it uh, through Amazon. But again, you, you pre-order now. Come October. Right at the end of October, that's when the official release date for it is. I can't wait for it because I, I love reading the books that uh, people come out with about uh, you know their careers and their TV shows and their movies and things like that. And uh, this is going to be a definite book to check oh, out. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, Barry, thank you very much for taking the time. Very good. Thank you, Brian. Barry Livingston, such a great guest. I want to thank him so much for taking the time to talk to us. And be sure to go to his website, theimportanceofbeingernie.com, and you can find out all about his book that's coming out and everything. And he's got a lot of great stories to tell. There's some samples on there of the book and uh, pictures of uh, when he was Ernie Douglas and all that stuff. It's great, great site. Go check it out. And I uh, can't wait till October for the book to come out. And uh, we'll find out all kinds of other things, I'm sure, in the book. So it'll be kind of fun to read that one. And that's about it for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. It's a wrap, and uh, right about now, we got to say goodbye. So until next week, when we once again take you On Screen and Beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. Mm-hmm.